Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. All right, well, Chelsea fans, we are uh, quite lucky to be here at Stanford Bridge uh, on our London trip with Lee Parker, presenter of Chelsea TV. Uh, we, he was kind enough to give us some of his time. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Lee. Thank you very much. And welcome to London. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Oh, it's, I think I can speak for all of us saying that uh, it has been an absolute blast. Anytime that you get to go and physically watch the team, Nick, in the stadium and be with the fans, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's just a whole different angle, right? I mean, it, you know, we are used to watching it on TV, and we're used to kind of seeing your work in the you know pre and post match and the week kind of leading up to it, and then you know when you're there, you kind of just soak it all in, and it's really nice, uh, nice distraction from uh, some of the stuff that goes on outside of it, right? I say you're in the inner sanctum. Maybe yeah. on the press room, I think some famous uh, press conferences have happened in here. <laughs> Thankfully, nothing uh, no, so recent to be famous. I think at this no, point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. There, there was a beard in here at one point, and and now there's not. <laughs> which now there's a beard again. Did yeah. you have a preference on the beard? 
Oh, there's a question. Starter. Um, <laughs> bit, starting the off high. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I experimented with a bit of stubble myself, but the wife didn't like it, so I uh, had to go. Had to go. But now nah, he's a stylish guy, isn't he? He can get away with it. Sharp suit. He's, yeah. Uh, nah, he's, he, he knows. He's no, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's all done. Well, um, in case a lot of you haven't known, Lee's been with Chelsea for quite a long time, just mm. over 10 years now? Yes. Started off in production, so behind the scenes, uh, October of 2007. Seven. So I started a couple of weeks after Jose left first time. No coincidence, I promise. Um, <laughs> and it, um, yeah, from there on, I was based here at Stamford Bridge until 2011. And then I had the opportunity to, to do the role I'm, I'm lucky enough to do now. I started off sort of two, three days a week. And it's sort of moved on and it's, it's evolved um, since then, really. But it's, uh, no, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's great fun. And now um, the rule of thumb is if they're training at Cobham, I'm there. I'm lucky enough to do away games as well, get to travel on the European trips, pre-post-season tours, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. Oh, that's fantastic. And then, I mean, obviously growing up around here, did you support Chelsea? How did that work for you, kind of coming mm. and working for a football club, essentially? Mm, absolutely. Well, I was born not too far from here, a place called Watford. Um, so my first experience of going to games was there. Um, growing up, um, without sort of being too obvious, my uh, my age, sort of, well, I can't lie, can I? Um, so I grew up in the <laughs> 80s. Uh, so I was watching players like uh, Kerry Dixon, David Speedy, John Bumstead, Eddie Nitzvecki, Nigel Spackman. Uh, Pat Nevin mm-hmm. that was kind of the era that I, I grew up watching and then bizarrely when I started working here I was lucky enough to then all of a sudden be producing shows that, that people like Kerry were, were doing regularly so it was a yeah that was a, that was a moment um, but yeah it, it's it's it, I'd say nigh on impossible to do the job we do without being a fan um, we're very lucky we're very lucky to do what we do what was that first moment when you had been brought in that you got starstruck Oh, good question. Um, I'll tell you what, my first, my first trip to Cobham actually was an experience because I remember walking through the door and there they were, just training in front of me and I'm stood pitch side and it was ridiculous. You had Czech, Terry, Lampard, Drogba, Ashley Cole, Joe Cole was actually one of the first mm-hmm. people I met. Um, so many big players, big personalities and it was a bit... Bit awe-inspiring, but as you as you get to know them, you realise they're just they they're good guys. They're they're very focused. They're incredibly professional, but they're very welcoming, and uh, and they couldn't have been better for me. You know, they were they couldn't have been nicer. So they were no, they were terrific. For those who might not know, we met Lee when we were in Minneapolis uh, yes. for the Chelsea Milan match. Uh, two summers ago now so you know as far as the American kind of side of the game how have you seen that kind of evolve since maybe you started in 2007 Mm, absolutely well from a fan base perspective it just grows and grows doesn't it as you guys know Mm -hmm. Um, I mean every time we go to America it's it's phenomenal I think my first experience of going to America on tour was 2009 so it was Carlo Ancelotti just come in so it's his first summer and we went to Seattle Baltimore LA and Dallas and I was just awestruck by the support that was over there 
Seattle especially, my mm-hmm. goodness, the, the the fan base and the passion and the and the knowledge and the noise and it was just incredible. It's especially when you think about and obviously I'm preaching to the converted, but the, the sports that it has to compete with over there. And I remember speaking to a couple of the um, we went to a couple of schools in Seattle where the, the players were training and they were saying, Well look, it's almost a generational thing now. So so kids are growing up playing soccer, football, mm-hmm. as well as I think you were saying lacrosse and soccer with the particular school we were we were training at were the two biggest sports for these mm-hmm. kids so it's not something that they're just being introduced to sort of in their teenage years now this is something they're growing up with which can only be a, a good thing surely mm-hmm. when, you, when you've seen that kind of growth like as you, you've had to travel a lot mm. you know across like different you know different parts of the globe mm. you know is there anywhere else that you've been kind of surprised just with how quickly maybe you know, Chelsea has kind of caught on in other countries sure yeah I mean every time we go to Asia it's incredible mm-hmm. um, again my first experience of going to Asia on tour was when we went to Bangkok my word it was just swarms of fans outside of the, the hotels and for them you, you take it for granted sometimes I think it's a dangerous thing to do but we take it for granted the exposure that we have and you know and also the access that we personally have to these players we see them every day and then you suddenly go to the other side of the globe and you think my goodness this is potentially the first and only opportunity these guys have got to see their their heroes in the flesh and the reception is phenomenal um remember one of my uh, one of my colleagues Gigi had her own song we went to Malaysia <laughs> and the fans amazing. the fans were singing her name I was like, oh, <laughs> amazing um, but they, they're incredible really passionate fans everywhere we go again it sounds like I'm I'm trying to sort of be very sort of pro club but everywhere we go it's like the reception is, is sensational so it's, it's, it's terrific well, I think that makes sense to us. Mm. You know, even from afar, we feel that passion. That's the only reason I think that um, the fan base is growing the way it is. And, and you know, for me, I, it resonates. And finally, getting to come here, it's even deeper now as mm. well. So, um, we're always happy when you come to the U.S. But I think we also understand when you don't as well, because there's a lot of other people around this world that want to get that. To get that shot there are well. other countries in the world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I guess, do does anything stick out to you about being the best and maybe the hardest thing about working in football? I'm assuming mm. as we sit here, uh, you know, after normal work hours on an evening, mm. uh, probably some 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 crazy hours or anything. But yeah, best and some hardest. Hours, yeah. yeah, that's a good question actually. I mean, the, the the travel can be a pro and a con as well. Um, you know, traveling down the M6 for those people that live uh, on this island will know what I'm talking about. So trips up north, uh, then those long drives back can be a bit testing especially when you've got like young family and things like that but you know what it's you sometimes need to take a bit of a step back give yourself a, a slap around the face and you think you know what we're very privileged to do what we do so lucky to travel as we've alluded to as well and like I said the access is easy to take for granted and it's like we see these guys every day now and it's like my, you know you walk, sometimes you have to walk past and you suddenly have a double take I remember the, the day that Fernando Torres signed for the club uh, deadline day here at the bridge mm-hmm. 2011 and it was just one of those double take moments where you got out of the lift and hey, look, there's Fernando Torres. How are you? <laughs> it, was, and it, was, it, was, it was one of those pinch yourself moments. And you do have those every now and then because it's so easy to get sort of, I don't want to say blasé, but maybe maybe take things for granted. Um, but no, we're in, a, we're in a very benefit, you know, it's a very beneficial sort of position that we're in and no, we are very privileged. How long would you typically work on like a crazy deadline day? Deadline day. Uh, it depends on the player's schedule. So, for example, if, I'm, if we focus on that one as, as an example, it's probably a good example, actually, because yep. we were down at Cobham 8 in the morning. Uh, the, the squad were training. 
Um, and then we would just go about our business normal day. And then we started to get wind throughout the day that maybe something could be happening and we were getting calls from other organisations. And I remember somebody I used to work with at Sky Sports News called me and said, um, we're getting reports that Fernando Torres is in a helicopter from Melbourne. Is that true? I was like, well, you tell me. We're here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we were there sort of working through until I think six, seven in the evening. And then we were told uh, by one of our bosses that, look, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen at the bridge. So jumped in the car, drove up the A3 to where we are now here at the bridge. I think Fernando walked through the door later that evening. It was done... I would guess, don't quote me, but around half past 11 that night, wow. we announced just before deadline. And then just when we went off air with Chelsea TV's uh, deadline day program, we thought, deep breath, all done. Uh, we were told at quarter past midnight that David Louise had signed. So it was <laughs> incredible. It was just an Im- incredible day. So you just you just ride the adrenaline throughout the throughout all of it, uh, and then back in the next morning, and away you go. Yeah, because then, then obviously you have the customary first first interview. Yeah. With Lee, you get that honorary yeah. kind of uh, yeah. opportunity. Absolutely, it's uh, it's a, again it's a it's a huge privilege. I remember the one we did with him was in my old boss's office that we'd because uh, we were using our actual studio for the live show. So we were conducting the interview off to one side whilst the live show is going on. Uh, but ordinarily, we're, we're down at Cobham when these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, the last deadline day, we were there when David A arrived, Zappa Costa and Danny Drinkwater arrived. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, think on your feet a lot of the time. Um, introduce yourself. Get those all-important arrival shots, as we did with, with David when David came out. David Louise mm-hmm. came back sort of last summer, uh, which was an awesome day, um, which we'll get onto. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, and then we try and sort of get them in the room, sit them down, let them ca- you know basically capture their thoughts as best they can, and then away we go. And you know we're. We're a, we're, we're, a, we're a kind audience, so we're not going to sit there and grill them about things <laughs> that they don't want to talk about. Um, but no, we've, uh, we've certainly had some big personalities come through the door on deadline day. How is the advent of social media, where mm. there's now flight tracking that occurs, of players, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, changed the whole kind of concept for, for that you pay attention to any of that on yeah. the deadline day? I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to. Um, I mean, I sort of follow a lot of journalists and fans online, and it's incredible. Some of the time, some of the, some of the stories, some of the rumours you get. I remember a few years back, there are a few, not too many, but there are a few on Twitter saying, "Oh my goodness, I've just seen Kaka. He's in the Chelsea mega store." Like, That's Lucas Piazza, and I've just been there myself. <laughs> <laughs> buying a few shirts for his family. Um, um, oh, sorry, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to hook, so, hook Lucas up with a, a couple of shirts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so no, it is interesting because, and all of us, you know, what it's like suddenly somebody mentions something and then it snowballs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to sometimes take some of that with a pinch of salt. Um, but then similarly, you know, that, that's it's just also a good research tool for us sometimes as well to see what other clubs are doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. How was that? First, you know, I mean, player signs and you go through the long day. Mm. And how was that first interview? Are they are they just exhausted beyond belief, and are they just kind Depends. of bewildered? Or yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I remember when when David Louise came back. I think he said to me, he goes, "Lee, I've not slept in two days." I was like, <laughs> "Okay, fair enough." Yeah, didn't want to take his hat off. Yeah. Sat him down. I was like, "I said, come on, just a short interview, yeah. just for the fans. Go on." <laughs> okay. okay, okay, okay. And then we did something more extensive with him after a couple of days when he managed to sort of you know, catch up with some sleep. Some of them, it's case by case basis. Really. Really. I remember Danny was just emotionally exhausted when we spoke to him because right. it had been a long day for him. Um, I think it is. It's, it's case by case. Some of them know it's, it's it's coming sort of and they can prepare themselves. Some of them, you know, it, it can be sort of quite a, a convoluted affair. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're obviously all of them just happy to be there. So it tends to be Touchwood the easiest interview you do um, because it's a big warm welcome and tell us about yourself for fans that don't know about it or if we do know about them, why did you come here? Tell us about the players you know. What can you bring to the squad? Right. That sort of thing. So it's all, yeah. It's all. You speak a lot about players who maybe were drained or maybe mm. tired or kind of at the end of their, their day. Mm. Is there anyone that maybe stands out in your mind that was maybe just a more emotionally kind of moving to you in the way that they responded to being signed by Chelsea? That's a good question. Um, couldn't believe it. Absolutely stunned. Mm. Made it. We've had some emotional... Yeah, we have had some emotional ones, actually. Um, not not so much the players, but sometimes... I remember when Bakayoko signed, he um, brought his family and his friends with him and they were behind us and there were, there were a few tears from some of the, the relatives because they realised just how big a deal it is, you know, for, in this case, their son or their, you know, mm-hmm. their brother. And it's... Yeah, it can be sort of quite overwhelming. Um, I remember when Juan Mata came. He had family members that were really emotional um, because it can mean such a lot to these guys as well and they have to put their game faces on mm-hmm. and they have to make sure that they you know they're saying the right things and they but then you've got you know remember you have like the, the family that they're sort of sobbing behind us as we're doing the interview <laughs> sometimes um so yeah no it's, it's often quite an emotionally charged time yeah well i think kind of speaking off that um you know obviously it's it's well documented your relationship with david louise um <laughs> the uh no, no long-standing injuries, right? You, you, you didn't seem to follow. There is an ongoing lawsuit. No, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. You, you weren't mentioned in the injury report. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you normally bond like to that level with the players and staff? Um, I'm sure it's important that they like you, right, for post-match interviews and things. But any other kind yeah. of players on that level? And we're lucky at the moment. We've got a very good group at the moment. Very personable, um, very positive bunch, and easy to get along with. And it all stems from the top. I think Antonio is just case in point. He's just for somebody that has been so successful as a player, as a coach, he's he's humble. He's honest. He has a real interest in everybody and what they do on a day-to-day basis. I remember that first pre-season, he would come up and he had a conversation with me in, in the tunnel ahead of one of the, I think it was a Rapid Vienna game. And he said, oh, Lee. Um, and he just told me about something he'd seen on his phone. And he said, oh, well, this is this is app I've got and I've seen the, the videos that you guys have been doing. So my goodness, you've only been in the job a couple of weeks and you're, <laughs> you're having this, in, you know, my word. Um, but that, 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 I think, tells you a lot about the guy. Um, if you've been lucky enough to be around him, you'll, you'll get that sense from him. Uh, and the players are, are very much the same. I think so many of them, you know, they know that how privileged they are to, to be in this position. And my goodness, I don't take anything for granted. Alvaro Morata has come in. He's just been phenomenal. He's just such a lovely young guy. Um, so professional. Again, humble is the word you have to have to use. I remember when he, he spoke to us after he missed the penalty in the community shield and he was gutted, absolutely gutted. And he's like... I need to score a goal. I need to get this out of my system. I need to score a goal. I don't want the fans seeing it. And, and that's that, you know, case in point, that's the kind of guy he is. David, as you've mentioned, is just, he's David Louise. He, he, there's, you know, there's, um, he is what it, what, it, what it says on the tin. He's, there, he's there just- There are not many like him. No, he's, he's yeah. such a positive, vibrant character to have around the place, you know. I was smiling. A big family man as well, you know. So he, he knows where he's come from and that's so important to him. And he, he has, um, he does a lot of work with charities. He has like a young team that he looks after back in Paris. He, he has sort of friends and family that are very dear to him. And, you know, he, he is, he is what you see, you know. Um, 
there's no uh, no there's there's no there's no fake smiles or anything there. He's uh, he's a very positive character. Eden Eden Hazard can't speak highly enough of him. For someone who, as you guys have seen sort of firsthand, he is on top of his game. But again, he's he's the easiest guy to work with. He's very humble. He's very professional. Again, his his family, his three boys, just mean everything to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he brings them in sometimes. You know, and for him, if his family's happy, he's happy, and that translates uh, when you see the performances on the pitch. Um, but right through the team, you know, we've mm-hmm. we've been very lucky during during my my time here. I I've been very very lucky. Think of the legends I've been very lucky enough to, to sort of interview. JT, we did something with him last week, funnily enough, for a couple of short films that you'll see coming up on Chelsea TV very soon. Just nicest guy, nicest guy. Frank Lampard, hilarious, very humble, <laughs> very, you know, he's just just very eloquent very intelligent uh, you can ask him something about anything same goes for Petr Cech some of the strange conversations I've had with Petr Cech um, <laughs> flood defences in Prague um, anything you ask Pete anything he'll have a conf- you know he'll have an opinion and, that's and Brandon's answer. boy right there yeah. <laughs> we know that absolutely um, you know Juan Mata when Juan Mata walked through the door he could barely speak a word of English six months in he's He's, um, he's speaking fluent English and I remember he challenged me to do an interview in Spanish uh, it didn't quite happen um, <laughs> we're, we're going to get right on yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. You know. but you know and also I think, that, I think that's an important thing as well I mean you see so many of these guys that are young men when they arrive they come into a different country they're speaking a different language different club just everything is, is, is a big sort of culture shock and they adapt they have to adapt so quickly and that's something I think is often sort of taken for granted. What are the things that you try to do then in those moments with mm. them to to help them acclimatise? Because I mean, that's just yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a good point. I, th- I think what we often do, and it's also I think it's relevant to some of the the, the, the boys uh, coming through the academy, some of the Chelsea ladies as well. I think I think it's important that they can almost see us as a bit of a safety net. If they do an interview with us, we try and do a bit of informal media training with some of the boys coming through the academy at sort of scholar level, sort of 16, 17, 18. Um, And it's like, well, look, if you make a mistake, we will tell you why we won't run it. Um, and will help you develop because mm-hmm. you know when Sky Sports turn up and put a camera in your face you might not get that opportunity so it, it's good from our perspective to sort of build that relationship and that trust and we, we try and sort of offer that to them as well and similarly with the like we said some of the, the foreign players that come over it's going to take them a, a bit of time I remember when Willian first came um, you know obviously we did all of his, his first interviews in Portuguese to a translator and then as he's learning English we sort of say fancy going English you know, how do you, how do you, you know, and see how they go. And, and again, if, if they're not comfortable, we won't use it. Mm-hmm. So that's how you, you have Ed Hazard interview William. <laughs> well, there you, there you go. There you go. English, yeah. lesson, English yeah. lessons with Ed Hazard. I feel like um, he does well the branch. He pulled in yeah, Michi. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I have to, you guys have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, as, you know, I think Ed as well, was uh, when, when we first sort of interviewed him, everything was in, in French. And then it's just, you know, building that confidence and helping them with it. And the last thing we want to do is put them in, a, in an awkward, uncomfortable yeah. position. We want them to feel comfortable with us. Uh, and we are here for them as much as they're here for us. Um, and I think that's key, really. Is there, is there a, a program that you guys put on the player series since you're kind of like the, the home base for kind of a lot of the media mm. that you know kind of helps them if they don't have the interview skills, you know, if they're not a naturally gifted um, speaker that they mm. can you know kind of adjust and acclimatize that way? 
Um, nothing formal, but again, case by case, really. Um, if there is, you know, I mean, most most of these guys, I mean, they're, they're frightening,ly intelligent and, and and just eloquent. And you get like people like Andre Schurler that come in from Germany and they just spit and just straight away mm-hmm. nail it. When Lukaku came here as a 19-year-old, he could speak six languages. Mm-hmm. Petr Cech, six languages. Mm-hmm. These guys are just so on, and they they can sit there under pressure and just deliver an interview without any mistakes. And it's, it's amazing. If if there are guys that don't feel comfortable for whatever reason. Then absolutely, I think that's I think it's important that we are there to help and support that. But certainly, there's not nothing I wouldn't say anything formal that we put in place. Um, but the club as a whole are very supportive with all facets of, of, of coming to a new club, a new country. So there are people that help them find homes and schools for the kids and put on English lessons. And I mean, Antonio is you know my goodness, he's so proactive. Antonio is constantly having English lessons at the moment. He's his own his own worst critic. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. You know, he, he's constantly pushing himself in everything that he does, every facet of his day to day role. Um, and yeah, they, there are a lot of them that want to adapt. They want to pick up the language, and yeah, you can't stop them. Is <laughs> there anyone that impressed you? You mentioned like Sherlock. Is anyone mm. impressed you from like a day one perspective? Like they came almost new me- media prepared, ready to go from an interview standpoint. Ooh, maybe yeah. almost too polished, and it made it hard <laughs> for you to do your job. Never too polished. Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, because I, I yeah. feel like Courtois or something oh, in my mind. Oh, it's amazing. You know, just yeah, speaks, yeah, yeah. You know, someone I would think about yeah. with just how polished his... He's a very good example. Yeah. He's a very good... You, you do forget how young he is and how young he was when he first came to the club and the journey he's been on from Belgium to, to you know, playing Atletico for a couple of seasons before eventually coming to us. But he's a very good... That's a very good example, actually, of someone who is, is very intelligent, very eloquent and very able to just... You know, conduct these sorts of interviews in several languages and never trips himself up. It's uh, yeah, it's quite the skill. I certainly can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling English. Uh-huh. <laughs> so obviously we are a, a you know kind of a fan based channel, right? Mm. What do you make of some of the growth of you know fan based media? I guess mm. uh, either in this country or, or abroad. I think it's very important. I think it's very important. I think it's important that people have been given that platform to, you know, to, to gauge their opinion and, and sort of to, you know, to, to say it as it is. I think it's so important. I think it's important from the fans' perspective. I also think it's important from also from journalists, also from the club's perspective as well, just to get a better idea of just what the fans are thinking, how they're feeling. Here at the club, they've always been very big on having regular fan forum events just to gauge sort of what fans are liking, not liking, anything that frustrates you, what we can do better, what we can do differently. And this is, I think, just another, you know, it's the perfect platform for people to do that. Uh, And there are so many people out there that are, I don't want to say better than me at my job. Actually, yes, they're better at their <laughs> <laughs> job than I. Um, <laughs> but no, there are so many sort of so many fans out there that are very good and very natural at, at doing that, and it's uh, no, it could only be a good thing. I think. So, anything you think of when you talk about the idea of fan forums mm. and the being you know reactive to maybe changes that need to transpire? Mm. Is there anything that comes to mind for you that has been gestated from that type of feedback? Sure, I think from what we do here at Chelsea TV, I think that's case in point. I think you've got guys have probably seen a shift in, in recent years I mean sort of dictated by sort of what the fans are looking for but also by technology as well I think social media has really changed what we do and how we do it um, if I go back to you know when I started here yes there was an online presence but obviously it was before the onset of social media so most of the content that we would generate would be 
for Chelsea TV on the TV platform. Um, we didn't have uh, weekend programming at the time, so we'd have like a big preview show on a Friday night for two hours. Uh, that would be the, the marquee show for us of a week. But as time has changed, so has our approach and so has our output. Um, it's so much more instant. Today, for example, we were at, at training and filming some really good stuff. Before you know it, you're able to edit, upload, and it's, it's up there on Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook. And it just gives fans a more instant feel for what's going on if a player comes back from injury hey look there's insert name here player returning to training and victor moses last week you know and hey look everybody great news victor's back and you know it, it's it's so much more instant now it's uh, it's fantastic so it's it's uh, no it's, uh, it's only it's only good i think for what we do and how we do it has that made your job more difficult because that the on the surface level mm. a lot of that access that didn't happen before you know like the example of a training is a great idea mm. you know the only way that maybe we would get training information in the past is you at the end of the day saying hey this is kind of what's going on in training sure. today now there's photos people analyze what bib people wear yeah, to try to predict yeah, yeah the starting yeah. lineup <laughs> and <laughs> how, how has that changed maybe how you approach reporting on on training I think <clears throat> I think there comes a certain responsibility with what we do and I think it comes with what we were talking to talking about earlier sorry about sort of building relationships and building trust as well and obviously Antonio and the coaching staff know why we're there and what we're doing um, we, we are quite aware of, of training methods if there's things that we know we shouldn't be filming then you know what we'll, we'll turn the camera off and I think I like to think we have that sort of that trust and that relationship being they know as a coaching staff what we will and won't put out if there's anything that we're not sure about then it's up to us to be responsible and go down those you know the appropriate channels you know um, if a player is coming back from injury you know and maybe we, we, we're careful with how we report that mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a long term injury you know we don't want yes we want to be delivering good news and keeping the fans updated but also we need to be responsible uh, and we don't want fans to be excited about something that maybe isn't happening just as, as quickly as we'd have hoped mm-hmm. so I think yeah I think it's I think it's about communication uh, internally and externally mm-hmm. and I think it's about yeah, using a bit of common sense and a bit of responsibility as well so, I, you know, I think from the outside looking in, it's fairly obvious that um, Chelsea as a whole has kind of invested a lot into content, specifically social media content and all the access that we were talking about earlier. Mm. When you think about, you know, your role in that, you know, kind of stratosphere as you were talking about, there was there used to not be all the extras. What do you think kind of the future of that looks like? Oh, the future. Very good the point. The future. Yeah, I think, I think from... Uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to say because as proactive as we can be, I think we also need to be relatively reactive as well mm-hmm. um, because, you know, technology changes mm-hmm. so quickly. Uh, again, we come back to the, the you know, the, the discussion around social media and just how much of that has changed. Um, it certainly seems to be the way that we are going. How that will affect us as a channel, I, I genuinely, genuinely don't know. But I think it's important as a club and also, you know, if we're treating Chelsea TV as a microcosm of that, that we are there to embrace the new technology and, you know, whether it be through sort of new apps or, or ways of getting this content out there to the best, biggest um, audience possible, then so be it. I think YouTube is something that we've seen this year that we've utilised an awful lot more, whether it be through showing ladies' games um, yep. to open that up to another to a bigger audience. Whether it be press conferences that Antonio gives, for example, the one without dating it too much, the one that we'll have this evening, will go out on Chelsea TV, ChelseaFC.com, and also YouTube as well. 
just to open it up and that can only be a good thing for the reach of the channel and the club because if other people you know if a handful of people see it on YouTube and they weren't aware of what Chelsea TV do then maybe that's a good introduction um, and that will sort of pull people back into to the product that we, we try and sort of put together it's essentially more about access now right you know it's about I think so whereas it, you know I think there mm. used to be a lot of gated content mm. you know, that you know you'd have to pay a subscription for and yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of clubs have gone away from that model for obvious reasons and impressions and things like that but the you, know, you look at kind of how um, I think access is given across fan forums and mm. even in the last two years I think that's changed so like yeah. do you feel like you're you guys are trying to really engage that global audience through YouTube now and, and are showing I think that and also from social as well I think I mean obviously as, you, as you're well aware a number of the players have um, you know the, the huge mm. online presence if we go back without sort of repeating ourselves but look at like, David Oyes has got like 5 million followers it's incredible <laughs> that's ridiculous so the relationship we have with him and that fan base can only be a good thing so for example you know, we um, if we're filming a training session and he rattles in a hat trick, I know for a fact I'm going to get texts asking Lee, uh, could I have the goals from today? <laughs> so uh, yeah. always looking for a camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, always, yeah, yeah. Always good, a big good? one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Musanda and three sprints. You yeah, got it? yeah, yeah. Good. Not only does he know where his teammates are, he knows where the cameras yeah. are as well. So uh, absolute professional. But, yeah, awareness. Exactly. But we, you know, and another one today. Like for example, we were filming um, some of the younger guys today and Charlie Masondo's got a fantastic goal um, so we'll use that on our platforms but hey you know what we'll also send it to, to him for use on his platforms but they're, they're, they know you know they're good enough to know that we will be we'll put like the Chelsea TV watermark on it so people know it's our content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we're more than happy to obviously share that with players so they can then interact with their fan base as well and it brings it all together uh, as a whole um, so yeah that's that's what we're sort of trying to do as, as this sort of evolves so is that symbiotic relationship then between the players and the club to kind of yeah. you know guide towards a similar goal of kind of growing the reach and the content mm. like are there are there any players who, uh, who felt like maybe they've been under service and are kind of giving you a little elbow saying never <laughs> never <laughs> trying to say they're demanding no <laughs> no I'm joking um, I mean look, look there, are, there are certain players that are more active on social media as you know mm-hmm. so uh, and they are very big on, on their, their channels which is fantastic for their fan bases so if you look at David, you look at Sesk people like that, Alvaro as well. Mishi. Yeah, Mishi. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I really yeah, hear yeah. Mishi exactly. likes Twitter. See, so. <laughs> but they are, they're embracing social media as a way of interacting with the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, so that the fans' experience of interacting with players has just changed so much due to the onset of social media. And it's something that, you know, these guys are embracing and they love it. So, all so, good. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as a guy who's been around for a while and now, 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 uh, not, I didn't say an old guy. I said an experienced guy, um, established with the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see more of the team than just about everybody. I mean, besides yeah, the coaching staff, you know, yeah. being around Cobham as much as you are, being around the stadium as much as you are, is there is there a moment, you know, mm. kind of in your tenure that you would, you know, hands above this is you know, the finest day of my career, the finest interview or the finest like match. Ooh, there's a few actually. Um, 
I have to go back to Munich 2012, which was just the most insane experience. <laughs> and I remember having to go live after that, and I just lost my voice. <laughs> I was screaming at the top of my voice. Just, I'm trying to be objective, trying to be professional. <laughs> Sit in a press box and be objectively. Yeah, all right, I'll do that. Um, and then during that penalty shit, oh my goodness, I remember going outside and I did it bizarrely. I don't know if you know the guy, Eddie Jordan, um, XF1 boss. First interview I did after that game was with Eddie Jordan. Uh, he'd had a couple of drinks. He didn't have much of a voice left. I was I was struggling. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> but, but that was the thing. But as oh my goodness, as an experience, phenomenal. Um, I've also been lucky enough to be sort of in the dressing rooms for a couple of the title wins. Um, most recently, West Brom away last year. It was incredible. David got me again. Um, <laughs> uh, Carlo got me. Carlo could have yeah. got me with a, a popular energy drink over the head. Um, but it was surreal. And then that comes. In, uh, it was also also very strange because I remember doing. I remember doing an interview with Marcus Alonso yeah. in the changing room whilst he was recording the same interview on his Instagram. So I'm looking at the camera, then looking at him, and then looking at his... I'm, I'm genuinely not sure which one I should be looking at. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, again, that, the whole coming back to what we were talking about with social media, that changes the whole dynamic of that as well. So a lot of the players are streaming the celebrations live, so the fans get to, to enjoy that as well. And I remember we, when we... Uh, take it back about an hour before that, I was right behind the goal where Michi scored. Um, oh, and the fans were electric and we were doing post-match interviews behind the goal Gary Cahill came over straight away tears in his eyes quick post-match interview with him reaction says Aspilicueta sees me runs over gives me a massive hug which was fantastic picks up the microphone and starts, in, <laughs> and starts interviewing me and so there's me stood there on camera with him and he's just and he, oh, it, was, it was fantastic Classic awesome, awesome. Oh, he's, he's a joy he's an absolute joy yeah, a lovely guy to work with top man well, um, I think, you know, to, uh, to wrap this one up and put the, the bow on top, as they say, is uh, to anyone that thinks, you know, about being a TV presenter, working mm. in the football industry, since obviously you've had a couple roles. Sure. Um, uh, you know, any advice to those people chasing their dream? Um, anything that maybe you've seen now since that, that lends a helping hand. We talked mm. a little bit about YouTube and the access people. Yep. Almost like yeah, yeah. create your own portfolio or, you know, kind of repertoire mm. that way. But I think so. I think it has. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's changed an awful lot since I since I started. I mean, if I go back to when I started in the industry, um, I, I, I've um, basically did a media degree at university and started off as a runner, if you're familiar, probably familiar with yep. the term. So, yeah, you come in and it's quite literally running around. Yep. So, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're printing scripts for presenters you're making teas and coffees and getting into edit suites and finding tapes and all that stuff but it's a phenomenal it's such a it's a fantastic learning curve it's a great introduction to every facet of what we do and then from there I went into a role which was known as, again, it, it differs def depending on the industry and depending on uh, where you're working, but it was, I was called a sub-editor, which could either be a researcher. So again, it's writing stories, it's cutting pictures together, and again, it's a fantastic sort of introduction to what we do. And it was only around then that I really wanted to get into the reporting side of things, really. And I was offered the chance to come here as a producer um, all those years ago. And I was, I was honest with my, my then boss, and my now boss as it is and I explained what I wanted to do and he was good enough to give me an opportunity um, and yeah the rest is history really um, so with regards to advice don't be afraid to start at the bottom and work your way up um, don't take yourself too seriously because what we do is 
I remember one of my old producers once turned to me when a mistake went out to her and he said, you know what, no one's died, it's TV. We need to remember what we do and how lucky we are to do it. Um, so enjoy it, don't be afraid to work hard, don't be afraid of long hours because there are a few of those. Um, but you know what, it's it's very rewarding. I mean, there are not, going back to when I started off as a runner, so many nights missing the last train home and sleeping on a friend's sofa um, going to work the next day having not been home um, sounds worse sounds better than it is but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, so you, you, look, you you make the sacrifices and it, it, hopefully if you, you, know, you, you work hard it'll pay off it's a, it's a fantastic industry to work in um, it's a rewarding one to work in um, but yeah I think it's don't be afraid to, to work hard but never take yourself too seriously no, that's fantastic. Well, again, uh, thank you, Lee, for pleasure. taking the time out of your busy yep. evening. It's chat my with us. pleasure. And thank you for your time, guys. As well. So, again, um, we look forward to seeing the rest of the stuff we put out this season. We're looking forward to just another season. And, uh, again, everyone out there, make sure you tweet and let, let uh, Lee know how much you enjoyed it. So we appreciate it. Thank Anytime. you. Thank you for your time, guys. If you don't want the conversation to stop... Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.